Okay, welcome back to the Think Education podcast. This is a very strange one today because it's actually in person. And that's, that's, I know it's kind of strange because both you and I are already just looking at the phone to record rather right. than actually looking at each other. Yeah. But this is the first one um, I've been able to do in person. And uh, I'm joined by my colleague, Dr. Tendai Charles, who's not actually in the office next door to mine. You're like three down, right. but it's almost, almost right next door, right? So um, Tendai and I both work at the British University in Dubai in the Faculty of Education. Uh, Tendai has, has quite a lot of uh, actual international experience, both UK-based and, and regionally. He's, he's worked in, in Saudi um, prior to, to his time in, in Dubai. Um, Tendai is a... Well, it's interesting because you... you I mean, you were an IT specialist and now you're in ICT. Right. So you're, you've kind of transitioned from... from I- I don't know. I what? couldn't escape it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. well, and then COVID happened, and, yes. and you became a global expert, right. and it's sort of a uh, nice way of doing it. Um, yeah. uh, but I mean, Tendai sort of splits his research expertise and time between ICT, so uh, the tech use in education, and also TESOL, um, and and is published in both, and supervisors in both. Um, in addition to your work um, within the faculty, you are also the, I always get it wrong, the director and the Centre for Research for Digital Innovation. Right, well, it's digital education. There you go, see, I yeah. got it wrong. There you, well, there you are, and I'm, I'm even looking at a piece of paper in front of me. But, uh, well, <laughs> fair enough. So you decided to remove the word innovation in, right. in a counterintuitive uh, yeah. <laughs> approach. Well, the university, they, they've changed their mind two or three times now, so it keeps changing between innovation and uh, digital education. So fair, so let's see fair what it is in September. Fair, yeah. <laughs> So, um, Tendai and I have had, I mean, we, we teach together on, on the ICT uh, modules at our postgraduate level, and we've published together on, um, you know, various uh, issues within uh, the use of technology in education. And I mean, and indeed, you, you gave a, a TED talk on, uh, on how technology has been impacting um, uh, and continues to impact uh, teaching and learning. And so, it's interesting today to talk to you um, about a couple of things. So one is um, particularly your your views on um, the emerging technologies, right? So we, we, chat GDP gets the, I guess, gets the most press, yeah. I suppose, although yes. we are increasingly seeing, <laughs> dare we say, better versions, yeah. um, uh, more versatile versions. Um, uh, so interested to talk about that and, and maybe you know, your reflection on how that's actually impacting and versus how we think it's impacting, you know, some of the stuff in, in education. And, and then you, I know you've done a lot of work on um, assessments right. uh, in education. And, and particularly, I'm, I'm interested in thinking about the relationship between how we, I guess, traditionally have assessed um, learning outcomes in, in higher education maybe what we should be doing, you know, in terms of the particularly trying to assess the skills agenda. So, to, you know, what we've done in the past, what we should be doing today, and maybe what we might be thinking about tomorrow, right? Yes. Which I appreciate is kind of a, you know, a silly, dumb question. But, you know, with the way things are going, it's, you know, kind of a, a view. So, I mean, you and I had a, com- we've had many conversations about this, right, about chat GTP. I mean, yes. what, what's your, what's your general view on this? Yeah. You know, uh, is it, is it a savior? Is it the devil? Right. Yes. Is it somewhere in between? Right. Like, what? What are you? What's your reflection on this? Do you think? Well, definitely mixed thoughts. Um, I can remember when we first heard of ChatGPT, towards the end of last year. I think it was around December time we started hearing about it, and initially it seemed like a bit of fun. You know, quite cute. You could type some things in. You know, a computer responds. Um, but then 
throughout the past five months, we've really seen the power of this AI technology really grow. Um, I think there's a website called TechRadar, which is keeping track of companies in the US that are laying off employees specifically for AI reasons. Okay. Yeah, as in, as in we no longer need you because we have AI which can replace you now. Um, and I think in America, they've said this year alone, there's going to be around 80,000 people that lose their jobs. Wow. So already we've seen companies like Meta, um, Amazon, um, Apple, Google, you know, the, the big tech brands. But besides then, smaller companies you don't think about, like Shopify, mm-hmm. um, you know, LinkedIn, um, they've basically said, well, if we've got a team of 30 developers, we only need two of you. So, you know, to 28, all the best, you right. know, which is, uh, you know, a bit scary for the tech industry and, and people working in that field. Um, and then, you know, we're seeing AI also sort of creep out into other areas too. So um, now you have some restaurants in the US, which are the, the drive-through employees being replaced by AI. So they have some places where you can order food with a, just a technology, a robot you speak to. Um, and even here in the UAE, it's sort of creeping in a little bit as well here and there. Not so much in terms of AI technology, but just robots and technology in general. So um, now they have something called the Talabot. Yeah. Which is oh, right. Right, yeah, yeah. From, yeah. from Talabat, right? So you can order food and this little robot comes and delivers to you rather than the delivery man. You can go to Carrefour and they have a robot which scans the shelves now to check the, the stock rather than a human doing it. You can go to Itzalat and um, some of the branches don't have human employees there. Mm. They have a security guard and a robot machine that you speak to. Right, so incrementally, sort of spreading uh, around society and around the world. Um, in terms of education specifically, every month there's new apps coming out, um, AI-driven apps. So um, I've seen one called Kipper, I think it's called, which just it writes students on, essays on behalf of students, and it's been designed in a way to make the essay look like it's written by a human. Right. Right. So it has some errors in there. It yeah. will intentionally have grammatical errors and spelling mistakes to look like, oh, this must have been a human who wrote it. Right. So that's quite deceptive. Um, you have um, a new website called Site.ai, which is basically chat GPT, but you could say for academics or for students. Because one of the issues with chat GPT, it gives you inaccurate citations or references. Right. It can, it can make up a reference for you. Um, what this app does, it scans academic articles. So if you say to it, for example, um, is there any evidence to support the theory of relativity? It would only scan academic papers and then it produces a response with citations that you can click on and you can follow those articles. Okay. Right. So it's like an, an academic version of ChatGPT. Um, uh, you know, and then there's... there's so yeah, I, I can keep going on. There's, there's many apps basically coming out there every month. Um, and on one hand, I think it's great... <laughs> I think it's, uh, it's going to be a very nice resource for people in the future, just like Google came out and was a great resource for people. Um, so I think on one hand, it's really good. On the other hand, it is a bit worrying that you have people like Elon Musk, um, one of the heads of OpenAI, one of the uh, leaders of the Google AI project, all turning to the government and saying, hey, we need you to regulate this, regulate this and put some laws in place, please, because we're not sure what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, there's actually new crimes happening now as well based on AI. Um, I saw one on the news recently where um, uh, um, a, a, a mother, her daughter, went for a sleepover with some friends at the weekend. Um, and then she received a call f- um, from what sounded like her daughter saying, Mummy, I've been kidnapped. Please help me. Please save me. Um, uh, the, the kidnappers want some money transferred or something like this. So the mum's contacted the police because it sounded exactly like her daughter. 
but it turns out it was an AI. Mm. So somebody replicated the daughter's voice and then made this prank call to the mother. You know, so there's these new new crimes forming now from the AI. I mean, things like that could potentially get someone in trouble in WhatsApp, you know? Yeah, sure. I, I, sure. I, could, I could scan your voice potentially and pretend that you've sent me an abusive WhatsApp message and then go to the police and say, oh, look, what I've, <laughs> I've yeah, been told. You know, so it's a bit, a bit scary in, in what's happening. So um, I've really got mixed thoughts about the AI at the moment. Um, I'm hoping that people use it for more good than evil. Right. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, let's say that. Let's, let's, yeah. I mean, I mean, we chatted about this a little while ago, didn't we? That the, you know, in sort of fundamentally as a tool, it's sort of a more efficient version. The chat GDP sort of approach is a kind of a more efficient version of, you know, what used to be a Google string word search yes. or what used to be, I have to go to the journals and the library and, and you know, manually flick through. Right. But, you know, if used responsibly and used, you know, you know, ethically yes. within the academic context, certainly, you know, arguably it's an efficiency tool. Right. Right. You know, and yes, it's open for abuse, but then so is essentially everything else right. that we, we potentially <laughs> use in academia. Yes. Right? Um, it's funny. I mean, I still... Obviously, you and I are both basketball fans. Every time I hear AI, I think of Iverson. Oh, Alan Iverson, right. of course. Like, who, who was the answer. <laughs> right. So it, it's, it's kind of an unusual... I'm sitting there in meetings thinking, yeah, just, just thinking about Iverson. Right. Um, but uh, I'm wondering then, do you think... Because, you know, as we said, like, it gets a lot of press. And, and clearly yes. there are... There's, the potential for abuses is, mm. is evident. Yes. Um, and, yes, regulating it. You know, it's, it's a good step and a necessary step. It's, it's tricky because we're trying to regulate something that we don't fundamentally understand yes. yet, right? Um, but, I mean, obviously that's a, that's a step in the right direction that any discussion of ethics as applied to, to this is, is, is good. But what's your sense of, of the extent to which it's actually being used, mm. right? Because, you know, if you, if you believed, if one were to believe everything that we see popping up in, in right. academic channels, you know, yeah. it's, it's both taking over... And destroying and transform and you yeah. know and it's a case of every single student is you know sitting at home with a phone yes. with GDP right. and nobody's written a, uh, an original essay in yeah. in the last three months yes. right it's I mean is your sense that this is you know it's a it's a widespread problem it's a marginal problem no, it's yeah. a it's just another thing and this is what we're talking about yeah right? I I think at the moment students are probably using it more as a tool than anything else I've received one email in the last six months which sounded a bit robotic. So I asked ChatGPT, did you write this? And it said, yes, I did. Right? <laughs> so there's been one email, but that's the only one. Right? Right. So they're not all using it every day for all their messages. Um, I've asked students in class if they're using ChatGPT. And actually, they're more using um, Snapchat has an AI bot now as well, okay. a chat bot. So actually, they use Snap because they're on Snapchat anyway. Yeah. When they're in Snapchat, they're like, oh, they ask the questions related to the module. Um, but they're not really using it to write essays. Mm. Right? It's more as a research tool, actually, for them. Like Google. Sure, exactly. Or, or anything else. Yeah. That, you know, or, heaven forbid, the library. Right. right? Um, <laughs> oh, that, that old thing. <laughs> that old thing. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I, I, I don't think they're cheating so much. Um, I think, obviously, we're worried a lot about cheating. And so we're trying to look at new assessment methods for the students rather than doing online exams. Um, but even then, they could potentially use AI to help them or even do things for them. So um, one thing I did last semester is um, uh, with the presentations, yeah. I said to students, right, I want you to give an oral presentation because I wasn't so confident with the, the writing tasks that they had to do. Um, and then I found out they're using a website called beautiful.ai 
which can create presentations for you. Right. right. So you just type in a prompt and it creates like 12 nice slides about the topic, all based on you know, real information available in the internet um, with statistics and things and, and some references. So, um, you know, so presentations wasn't great. So I said, okay, I'm going to require them to uh, record videos uh, mm. this semester. Then I found out there's a website called invideo.io where they could type in a prompt. It has an AI thing like ChatGPT. Yeah, it yeah. can produce a script and then it can produce images and video matching what they're talking about. So they can automate the whole video production process as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so potentially, you know, uh, anything you come with, they could find a way to get around it so if they wanted it's to. It's funny, because I mean, the, you, if we frame the narrative in that way, that sounds terrible. Right. Right? That sounds like almost anything we can come up with. We're already three steps behind anyway. Right. And anything we can come up with, a student's going to find a way to, to circumvent doing the work and, yes. and it's going to be done for them by some form of system, right? right. And you think, okay, that, that's a problem. Mm. But it, are we focusing on the wrong problem, mm. right? Which is, to what extent does an exam, yes. you know, under exam conditions, accurately reflect mm. measuring learning or measuring activity that the student will need to do in the world post-university? Right. So at, at what point in a career are they going to be put in a room yes. with access to no other resources right. and given an hour or two hours to write down everything they know about this subject yes. and solve the problem? Right? Mm-hmm. It, it's, not, it's not realistic. No. Right? So in terms of the applicability... Mm. Of, of what we're measuring and the actual way that we're measuring it in the first place. Yes. No, is the, the conversation should be, sorry, should the conversation be rather than us having to, to run as fast as we can and always getting last yes. in terms of well, we need to keep changing the tools and the measurement tools and the measurements because they're cheating, they're cheating or they could be, they could be. Right. You know, is it not a question of thinking, well, how should we actually be assessing? Yes. Right. Because if we're trying, if we're looking at more of a skill-based agenda, we're looking at you know application of learning. Yes. We're looking at you know real-world problem solving. You know, have we? And I mean, this was your not entirely, but this was right. you know related to your the TED talk. Yes. That, that we'll you know we'll link through in the in the in the podcast. But right. you know, you were talking there about should we be scrapping exams? Like yes. should we be completely rethinking the way? Not driven by all right. Well, we're going to make it impossible for a given value of impossible, for you to cheat. Right. But we're actually going to maybe think about how we assess something yes. accurately. Yeah. Right? Is that is that maybe yes. where the conversation could be? Uh, certainly, yeah. So so related to my TED Talk, um, one of the things I've always been concerned about in education is the concept of 21st century skills. Right, okay. Right. So, so one of the things it mentions is the student can collaborate in teams, right? They can work with others. And I was always concerned about final exams because I felt like they don't measure that. Right? Mm. I've never seen an exam that measures teamwork and collaboration. Yeah. Right? So I understand that some schools and institutions started to introduce projects mm-hmm. so that at least at some point during the semester, you know, they're, they're being measured or assessed on their collaboration then. But even then, often the projects weren't designed in a way that truly measures um, uh, teamwork and collaboration because it was always outcome-based. Yeah. So what's the product that you produced? Right, and then they get yeah. a, a team grade. Yeah. So they're not actually measuring teamwork during the process at all. No. So um, yeah, no. With exams, I've always had a bit of a problem with exams. Um, uh, you may be familiar also with the idea of test anxiety, sure, which is um, a big issue. So one one thing that I did mention in the TED talk was that in the UK, um, according to some research I saw from Manchester University, um, more teenagers were committing suicide due to exam anxiety than they were due to bullying. 
right? right? So we're all the way up to dangers of bullying, yeah. but no one's really talking about this issue of people being, you know, feeling pressured or having anxiety with an exam. So that's that's one thing that concerned me about tests in general. But um, yeah, I think exams uh, as a as a measurement tool of learning may have had their place fifty odd years ago. But I think in the current world, we really need to adapt and think about new ways to measure uh, learning. Um, I was also inspired by the talk of, um, uh, there was a TED talk I saw, I think it was Sir Ken Robinson, I think, might have given the talk. I can't remember now. But um, he also mentioned something about transforming education mm -hmm. and, um, and making changes to the way we're assessing people. Because, as you say, exams is a very artificial context. Um, some people can learn how to master the exam process. Right. And so they can get an A in the exam, and then they can't actually apply anything in the real world. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think with the AI and the chat GPT and all these things, you're right, I think we're focused a lot on how students could be using them to cheat, when we should really be thinking about, are we actually measuring learning in the best way possible? Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, you, again, you and I have talked about this a lot in the past, right? You know, this, this sort of notion of, of technology's use in, in teaching and learning, learning and teaching, right? Yes. And, and, you know, the... The extent to which it's added value is, is really how it's used. It's yes. not necessarily the tool. It's obviously, of course, there's there's massive variety in tools, and some are good, and some are just you know not, etc. Right. But the way in which they are used and implemented, and if they're if they're aligned to learning development and learning outcomes, yeah. obviously they, they they add value to the learning experience. Yes. Um, I was at a, a school meeting. Um, my daughter's in in uh, grade one. Right. And uh, the meeting was about digital citizenship and digital literacy. Oh, interesting. Okay. And, you know, parents are arguing, as you'd expect, against the relative merits of tech use right. in school. Yes. You know, and, and, and both sides of the argument, again, perfectly valid. Yes. And it's like, well, you know, all my kid does is use technology. Yeah, that's a valid point. Right. Um, or all my kid does is on, you know, is, is on a screen and, and right. you know, are they actually learning anything? Mm. Versus, well, yeah, but if we don't teach them and they don't use technology, what are they going to do in the, in yes. the world um, itself? And, you know, and, and you can argue both sides of this, you know, argument fairly convincingly. But effectively what it boils down to is how do you teach people to use this? Yes. Right? And, and how do you instill that sort of code of, of, of ethics? Because yes. it's not going anywhere. No. Right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's you know, <laughs> and equally, we, as in the teaching profession, are not going to be at the forefront yeah. of this. No. Right? Our students kind of whether they're seven years old or 27 years old. Yes. We might be better off with the 27 year olds. Maybe not, maybe 37 year old, I might be, I might be a, you know, they're gonna be ahead of us. Yes. Right, so. because of, of just the way tech is being used yes. in the day to day, the day to day world. And I mean, it's funny, uh, the conversation I had with Zenith, who, you know, both you and I know from Wollongong, oh, um, yes. um, in one of the previous podcasts, we were talking about group work. And does group work actually, I mean, A, is it measuring effectively, you know, collaborative activity right. or is it encouraging, you know, uh, plagiarism to an extent, you know, or is it encouraging, you know, where, you know, you're giving the grades to people, even if they, you know, they haven't done the, uh, yes, done, done the work, yeah. you know, and, and in some ways, so many of our, you know, tried and tested that, you know, academic teaching methods, mm. which I mean, group work has a whole long list of positives. Yes. Collaboration and teamwork and right. negotiation and this and this and this and this. Yeah. And then on the flip side, well, I, you know, is that, you know, same with, with essay writing, same right. with exams, like yes. everything you can, you can rationalize yeah. from a pedagogical perspective and say, no, no, inherently, you know, uh, you know, you need to go away and research and you need to, you know, synthesize your material and you right. need to, you know, et cetera, et cetera. 
the presentation example that you just gave. Right. It's like, well, you know, we, we know that that builds confidence and, yes. you know, it's time management right. and it's, you know, public speaking yes. and, you know, it's some sort of form of visual development, um, etc. Yeah. It's like, does it fundamentally matter mm. if the student didn't prep the slides? Now, obviously, if they played, actively plagiarize the slides, okay, yes. that's a, that's a that's separate category. Yeah, right. But if they've used a tool that develops it... Yes. And they can explain it. Yeah. You know, part of the academic part of me is like, no, no, that's wrong. Right. They didn't do it. And then yeah. you think, okay, is this kind of just an evolution of the way that we pull information and, and put it together? And if the student can accurately and adequately explain it in, you know, her own words. Yes. Well, then... Yeah. Is that any fundamentally? Is that any different from me going away and having to read X number of journal articles, synthesize that information, and, and you know reproduce it in in my own literature review? Right. And I don't know. Yeah. I'm I, the tendency is to be like, oh, oh no, that must be cheating. That must yeah. be wrong because they haven't done the work. Right. Well, I mean, they've used technology to do the work more efficiently. Mm. Now, providing we can measure it, and I guess that's the key. Mm. Yes. Right. So in your in your presentation class, the students still had to. Present it, right? Of course, yeah. yeah. So um, you were able... Obviously, it's more work for the teacher, right? Because you're still, able, you're still having to, to really check and, you know, verify, right? right that yes. they, they have done it. Yeah. And I, I still don't know where I come down on this. Well, you make an interesting point. Because I suppose back when I was a student, I would have gone to the library, found a book. There may have been some sort of framework or figure or graphic in the book that right. I liked. Yep. I would then either take a picture of that or scan it or replicate it myself in Word, and then put that into my own slides that I'm going to present with, right? Um, but I would cite that, I suppose. And, and I can remember this semester seeing a video created by a student, and in the video I could see there was a, a scene or, or a section that had been taken from that beautiful the AI app, because okay. I know the template. Okay, yeah, right? right. So actually I spoke to the student about it. I said, oh, you, you've taken this from uh, that website, haven't you? And she said, oh, yes, I did, yeah. Okay, so why did you do that? And she said, oh, well, it's just uh, an image, but I'm explaining what it's about. So actually, she didn't do anything wrong. And she couldn't really cite that website because the AI produced it, so it's not a normal publication that you yeah, can cite. Yeah. And, and yet it exists. Right. It is, it is a resource that exists. Right. So I couldn't accuse that's, her of that's cheating. That's an interesting point. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. accuse her of cheating. Because... Which, I mean, to be fair, we see this in essays as well, right? right. We'll see a student who... Um, uh, and not this is obviously not unique to our institution. This is something that we, we see in the in the academic community. Yes. A student, the sin of omission. Right. They've they've perhaps not referenced correctly yes. or, or not quite correctly, or you know, they've they sort of paraphrased but referenced or referenced right. and they've got them kind of the mixed up. And, yes. and you ask them, they're like, Well no, no, I used this source. Right. Yeah, but you didn't reference it properly. Yeah. Oh right, I didn't know or I didn't do it properly. Right. So it's not it's not intent. Which yes. I mean this is something Zenith was very, very you know, adamant about, you know, that there is a massive difference between cheating by intent right. and then, you know, almost like accidental yes. cheating. Yes. Right. Now, I mean, it's fascinating, isn't it? Because if you've pulled the information from a news source, in many ways, we don't consider that to be an academic reference. Yeah, right. And yet it's a, it's a permissible, you know, you, you're allowed to providing, you know, and you'll see this with journals, right? There are now increasingly varied ways that you can cite and, yes. and reference material, right? So we're trying to catch up. Right. But I mean, five, ten years ago, I so said, no, no, you, that, that doesn't count. That's yeah. not a peer-reviewed journal. You, yes. can't, you can't use that. Yeah. Now we obviously accept that that's diversified. Right. And it's interesting, isn't it? So if a student does a presentation where she's pulled information from whatever the sources, mm. the resources are, 
if she's properly cited them, yes, and she can probably explain them. She's done her. She's job. done the work. Yeah, she's done the work. Right. Yeah. It, the, the fact. The yeah. fact that the the query is. So the source, the original source, is an AI-generated source. Right. So okay, we we have to be very careful about provenance. Yes. And that's a separate issue, right? right? So we have to be able to, our students have to be able to demonstrate, and this is about trusted sources, right? Yes. This is about validity of yes. information, and that's that's one thing. Right. But pulling information from a multiple sources, you've still technically gone through the correct process. Yes. And if you correctly, you know, here's the URL, or, or here's the thing, or here's, you know, you can go and look at this website, and this is where I got it from. Found it, or fundamentally, that's not different from you you scanning or photocopying no, from an a image, book. providing yeah. you've done it. Now, you pass that off as your own. Yes. Now we have a problem. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. This is interesting. Can you cite ChatGPT? Is that a thing? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and I remember. You can cite YouTube videos. I remember um, I heard our vice chancellor ask this question of an academic Would you ever co publish with ChatGPT? Right. Yeah. And as, as the question asked, I was like, you know, my first reaction is, well, that's ridiculous. And right. you think, Hang on. Yeah, right, yeah. It but it comes down to source. Right? And that that's the that's the issue. Yes. If if AI can more efficiently and effectively pull together information and it's properly cited and properly sourced, well then that's simply a resource the same way that Arguably, anything else is a resource. This raises some very interesting questions. I yeah, mean, I mean, I have no idea what the answers yeah, are. Yeah, no, like, me, me too. Honest, I don't just, think I'd thought of the questions before we started talking. Right, no, no, me too. It's just popped into my mind now. Yeah, you know? can can I interview ChatGPT? ChatGPT and consider I mean, that you you asked ChatGPT, did you write this email? And they and said, said yes. yes. Oh, they. Yeah. It, right. it, well, <laughs> yes, right. it said yes. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, could, if if I was doing a research project, could I actually interview ChatGPT and then use that those responses? As participant data? Yeah. Could I do that? That's interesting. And now, for, obviously, for an academic perspective, no, on the surface, right? right? Because you can't point... You can't point to a... But, yeah, yeah I mean, ChatGTP then, or, or an equivalent-type resource, is the middle, or the, 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 the thing in between the researcher and the data. Right. Right, so, in essence, it's, it's, it's sourced... Well, I mean, okay. I mean, I suppose we have to be careful about how we're using the word data, right, but it's sourced yes. information right. from, well, everywhere, yeah, I right, guess, yes. right? Pulled it together based on our criteria, based on our string search, based on our research parameters. Right. But then it's given us information that we are then able to pass off as our own. Potentially, yes. Now, obviously, that's a problem because that's not yeah. data, right? Yes. Because that we, we have to be able to point to the, the source of the data right. and, and the ethical approach to the, to the data. So yes. in terms of a... You know, a, a, a researched project mm. that would be problematic, right? right? Because we don't have that. But in terms of a literature review, mm. I mean, yeah. If it if it could point to the terms of reference, I mean, yeah. It's it's very very interesting. Yeah, um, interesting. And because there are multiple AI platforms, it'd be interesting to see a study which asks the same question to more than one AI to see what type of response it will get. Yeah. That'd be interesting. I remember, I remember reading something about, I mean, this is, this is probably pre-COVID, but it would, and again, I'm, I'm, I have no idea of the providence of this because it's a tweet. I probably, I maybe you've even saw the, the, the screenshot of the tweet on Instagram. Right. So I've got no idea who said it, okay. right? So I'm, I'm, yes. I'm not plagiarizing on purpose. Right. I just don't know what the source was. <laughs> okay. But it was somebody who wrote a tweet that said, um, oh, I, I asked... Um, uh, Siri about Alexa. Okay. And Siri said, "Oh, I, Alexa, I like your blue light." Right. You know, and it was something. You know, <laughs> okay. and it was like, "Hang on, what? Yeah. What is happening in my right. house where they're they 
they're sentient enough that they can't conscious yes. of each other. Right. And yeah, I mean, it's um, well, it's, it's it's unbelievable how much the world has changed. If you think about it, during COVID, we were discussing you know online education. Yeah. Is that the future of uh, universities? Are they still going to exist post COVID and all this sort of thing? Um, and and now we've completely forgotten about online learning and even online assessments to an extent. And it's all about um, AI. Yeah. Yeah, it's completely changed. Yeah. So uh, I guess maybe to bring it back to what, you know, I, I said maybe the last the last question, that if we've... We're not unique in this. Obviously, the, a lot of the community has been, has been thinking in, about, you know... Well, we use the word traditional, but I think we can, you know, me supplant that with old ways of assessment, right? right? And, all, yes. I mean, and in some cases, probably outdated ways of uh, assessment, right? right? Um, and yeah, we know that a, sh- a huge shift is problematic because they're, they're so intertwined with quality assurance and, yes. and recognition and, and even accreditation and, and the way just education is, is understood. Right? Yes. So, and I think, you know, from what you're saying, that's part of the dilemma we had during COVID because it's a non-traditional teaching with a non-traditional assessment yes. and therefore it doesn't really look like what we understand and therefore it can't be, you know, like, no, that's not a problem in the globe, right? But <laughs> things that don't look the way they should can't right. be real, right? Yes. So this is a part of a much, much broader question. But... Yeah, as you say, like we've now almost skipped that yeah. and said, well, we didn't, we, we understood a whole bunch of these new problems during COVID, right. which we couldn't solve. Yes. We haven't solved. No. Well, let's just move past that right, and, and yes. you know, uh, and focus on something. But th- yeah. those underpinning problems about, you know, fundamentally assessing learning and, and thinking about student engagement yeah. and thinking about student outcomes, yes. they're still there. They're still there. Um, and they're still going to be there. Yes. I mean, obviously, it's not like there's a quick solve for this. No. Um, so where do you think... Again, this is a, even as I'm thinking it, this is a ridiculous question. <laughs> okay. But where where do you think we we might be going at, at university level? I mean, we we, try, we have to balance um, the sort of massification of higher education. So right. we you know obviously increased access, good thing. Yes. But increased numbers, mm. logistically, you know, puts pressure on looking for assessment methods that are in, in theory more efficient. Right. Group work, exams, mm. etc. Right. Yes. But balanced against the need for a skill-based agenda, balanced against the uncertainty of, of employment or yes. employability even, um, balanced against the very use of technology. I mean, where, where, where do you think universities are, are going? I mean, you and I both supervise PhD students. Yes. The, in the, the Western context, the oral viva, you know, where a student sits down and is, is sort of quizzed or interrogated, depending yes. on how you, you, which side of the table, I guess, you're sitting on. And they have to be able to defend their work and they have to be explained their work and they have to be able to, you know, agile and think about how the bits connect and so you can at the end of a viva certainly the british phd system you know, yes. the way you and i are used to mm. you can be assured that yeah this student right. wrote this yes understands it and can apply it yes but i mean the sheer logistics of doing that is impossible yeah. right unless i guess we ask ai to do it for us right oh <laughs> don't give them ideas <laughs> so um so where, where do you think we're where do you think we're going yeah it's interesting at the moment what's happening is um we're trying to regress in, in the sense that many universities now, particularly in the UAE, um, are saying, well, we don't want to do any sort of computer-based assessment at the moment. None? Yeah. Okay. So um, I think yesterday uh, the CAA and MOE actually had a seminar um, and uh, they had some statistics where they showed that many universities have completely moved away from online assessments. Um, e- even here, you know, we've, um, we're not renewing our license to um, the lockdown browser to respond to lockdown browser because ah. students always find ways around it. So we've given up on that. Um, I think only computer science students are allowed to do online assessment. 
But even then, I mean, I'm a part of the Unfair Means Committee, so we review cases of um, plagiarism. So even with the open book computer science exams online, even then there's been cases where the faculty felt like cheating was happening because um, students were using websites like Chegg where they could just type in the question and it gives them an answer within a few minutes. So um, even for computer science students who have to use a computer for programming purposes, it looks like even for them we're moving away from computer-based exams. Right. Right? So I'm not sure how that's, that's going to work. But um, I, I think, yeah, there's been like a, a fear or like, you know, everyone's sort of worried now about the cheating. Um, and so we're moving everything to paper-based at the moment. But I think moving forward, we're going to go back to technology and we're going to have to find creative ways to assess the students um, using it. Because now we're really struggling with the paper-based exams because marking them is a nightmare. Right? Sure. Yeah, look, yeah. At, look at the undergrad students. There's like 160 of them or something mm. doing English essays. They're writing like a thousand words each. So the poor couple of English teachers we have are sitting there doing all this marking for midterm exams only. Yeah. yeah. So um, uh, it's much more efficient when it's online. Um, See, so on one hand, with the technology, some of it's quite expensive. So if you look at things like virtual reality, augmented reality, I know there are schools here trying to look into those things now, um, some in the K-12 sector, but uh, it's expensive buying the equipment. Right. Buying like, the VR headsets. And then training things. people on how to use it and right. embedding it, et cetera, of course. Yeah, yeah. So that's, so that's an issue. Um, um, well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see companies popping up with AI assessment methods. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if we see that happening. Yeah. I think that, yeah. We, we, we saw lots of companies popping up during COVID with these online assessment techniques and yeah. softwares yeah. and things you could buy. I think we're going to start seeing people pop up with new assessment methods using AI. Yeah. Um, I know there's a, already there's a, a learning management system called SentryTech, UK-based company. Um, they're quite small at the moment, but they've developed a new version, you could say, of Blackboard. It's like an LMS system. Um, but it's actually built upon AI technology. So I've seen a demo of it used, uh, I think they have it in two schools here in Dubai. So if I'm a mathematics teacher, um, there's assignments for the students to do as homework, you know, on their devices. I get a report from the system showing me how the students are doing, but then it suggests to me what I should be teaching the next day based upon the average student in the class. And so Hmm. uh, what, what was interesting is that you had one math teacher teaching two groups of classes, two groups of students at the same level, but then the AI was recommending different content for the two different classes right, okay. based upon the students' performances and the assessments. Yeah, yeah. So it's homework. targeted in assistant learning, right? right. It's, it's focused, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's sort of like personalised learning, yes. but in a, a, sort of a, a larger perspective for the whole classroom, which is interesting. Yeah. So I think we're going to see more systems like that being developed. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's interesting, isn't it, because the, we, we come back again, I think, to... This issue of, it's like, well, we've gone paper-based because they can, they, whoever they are, right, can cheat right. with technology. Yes. Okay. So, therefore, the paper-based is a, is a security issue, right? It's, it's harder right. to cheat. It's not yes. impossible. No. Because equally, pre-technology, it's not like people weren't cheating in yeah, paper-based exams anyway right. before, right? Yes. And, but again, it's back to that conversation we were having a, you know, a few minutes ago. It's not necessarily the root of the problem, mm. right? You're trying to put a, you, as in, you know, we're trying to put a, a, a plaster or a band-aid on the problem, right. you know, to sort of knock them off course. Yes. But actually, you know, is the paper-based thing actually assessing what we wanted to assess? You know, yeah. probably no in yes. some cases and maybe a little bit in other cases, yeah. right? Um, and so it's, yeah, it should be a case of how do we harness technology mm. to demonstrate learning outcomes? Right. Because if we can do that, then... 
the margin that are going to cheat are going to, would be cheating anyway, right? Yes. That's, um, I mean, I went to high school in Spain and they used to call them like churetas. They were like, okay. like chops. Right. And there'd be this little folded up piece of paper okay. you know, that you might be able to hide in your hand. And, right. and, you know, it was written really, really smally. Or, yes. And then it became a, well, you know, you've now got calculators that can actually, you can right. type in your, your equations. Yes. Or, you know, it became, you know, people, you know, written it on their forearms. Right. Yes. You know, I mean, you know, <laughs> yes, right. There was always going to be a, a, an a outlet to this, yes. right? So, yeah. um, and therefore just technology has made it a bit easier, a bit easier yes. right? But I mean, yeah. the, the fundamental desire to, you know, you know, or need maybe, yeah. is it seen to, to cheat? Um, again, that's part of a separate conversation, but yeah. you know, if technology is not the enemy and it's not the savior and it's a tool yes. to be used, it's like, well, then why aren't we attempting to use it for the thing that we, we, could value it for yeah right which is we, ca- we can't stop using technology because you might cheat using technology and we can't not use technology in teaching because you're going to need to learn how to use the technology right. so there's you know there needs to be some sort of middle ground yes. where you know yeah you can have used the technology to pull together the information mm. but you st- we still have to be able to assess your understanding of it yes. and i guess that's the point at which yeah you're making a great point and i think actually we look at technology from a very negative perspective all the time. Yeah. And, and also we're looking at the students in negative perspective in that they're going to cheat, they're finding ways to yeah. cheat. Oh, this makes it easy for them to cheat. Whereas, yeah, you're right. We should be thinking about how we can assess them in ways where cheating isn't really an issue. But also we should be teaching them ethics. Yeah. I don't think we spend any time teaching them no. <laughs> how to be ethical in their studies and in what they're doing. So, um, Absolutely, technology should be a tool. You know, we're all using it as a tool on a daily basis. You know, we yeah. we write our essays in Microsoft Word. It suggests spelling yeah, correct, yeah. corrections and grammar corrections. Is that cheating now? You know, using the autocorrect. That's a great point. <laughs> right. That's a great. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't know how right. to spell that. Right. I haven't looked it up. Yes. A machine's told me. Right. Is that considered now uh, a yeah. form of cheating? You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, we should. Well, be that's using... just that's just now an accepted form of technology use. Right. Which, therefore, in several iterations, time. Some of the AI functions yeah. presumably will be as well, right? Well, e- even with Google searches, in the in the beginning, people didn't like it. Then we moved to open book exams, and people were okay. Yeah, you can use Google. That's fine. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. We don't expect you to retain the information in your head, right? You know, and unless perhaps you're a doctor, yeah, and then yes. it would be nice that you remembered <laughs> how to do. You know, so, but I mean, otherwise, yeah. it's no. You of course you have access to information, right. you know, or you ask a colleague, or you pull information from you know. But how can you apply that? Yes, that information to solving the problem. Right. And that should be harder to cheat at. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think what would be nice as well is if we could bring in industry experts and have discussions with them. At the moment, there's a you know, clear divide between you know, academics in the K-12 sector and then industry. Mm. And if, if part of our job is to prepare these students to work in the industry, then maybe we should have more discussions with industry about what they want as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I studied computer science as an undergrad. And I remember when I got my first um, uh, job as a software developer, nothing that I studied was relevant for the job. <laughs> right. Right. And so they were saying, oh, you guys should have studied X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And so maybe if we had discussions about that more, that would help as well. Um, but as it stands, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of exams. I don't think they're <laughs> very useful. Um, and we certainly do need to think of new ways to assess new, uh, students. Yeah. Um, and maybe not so be, be so afraid of technology. Maybe accept it and think about ways we can harness it and, and use it in, in effective ways to, to measure learning outcomes. Fantastic. Okay, that's that's yeah. I completely agree with you. I mean, I don't, I don't know how we solve these. Right. I mean, but I I completely agree with the you know the reflective and the, and the perspective that you're you're presenting. I think that we need a we need a rethink. Mm, um, and and it's it's a almost an entire structural shift. Yes. 
um, yeah. which is <laughs> not, not not particularly a small thing to to, to do. So I appreciate you uh, you taking the time and oh, lending your you expertise. Um, I appreciate that. And I'm sure. Uh, um, People can't see, but we are two humans here. There's no, there's not, not one human and one AI. It would make more sense if it was just two AI, right? Then, right, then, then it would be irrelevant. Um, that, although, to be fair, if there were two AI in here, they would have made more sense than some, <laughs> some, some of my ramble questions. So, um, yeah, that, that's proof. Unless, as you said at the beginning, AI built in the, 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 the human, human floor. floor that component to it, They've yeah. listened to previous podcasts I've done. And right. like, oh, yeah, this guy rambles a lot, <laughs> and he can't remember what things are called. So we'll right. just stick that in. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, oh, awesome. Brilliant. Well, yeah, um, thanks for that, Tim. I appreciate oh, that. Um, and uh, I guess we'll just watch this space, right, and keep, keep on conversations with, as you say, industry, students, um, and, and try to learn more about what it is we're, we're trying to do and, and keep building forward. So, yeah, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, too. Thank you.